Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Monday is here, jam-packed with news and notes along the way. Glad you're with us for the next three hours. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Scotty Scheffler dominates the Masters. The NBA regular season is over, which means the playoffs will be underway. The play-ins start tomorrow, and then the playoffs begin on Saturday. Who's the NBA MVP? There's actually debate going around this year. We'll, we'll have that debate as well. The USFL debuts this upcoming weekend and they're implementing some really cool things that I think football fans have been waiting for. Plus, we're headed towards the most expensive World Cup in history and I'm not sure that this is a case of just next level. Like, the next World Cup will beat it? No. I Not based on what Qatar is doing and well, everything going on, on a lot. behind the... Have you seen the price tag? No. Uh, I mean, I, I know how expensive it is, but like, it's not like they have a stadium infrastructure to start with. So, uh, but the, yeah, they're going uh, beyond, above and beyond. Uh, the, the most expensive, here's a little preview of it. The most expensive World Cup was $11.6 billion. Qatar is spending $220 billion. That's what I'm talking about. They're, they're not just going next level. They are using this and uh, using this to where you have uh, migrant workers building all this, and then their contractors are in charge of renewing their green card, more or less. That's the price for us to ignore human rights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mickelson was willing to do it, and he was crushed for it. And now we'll celebrate soccer in Qatar. Uh, we've we've got the gathering uh, of the world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we, we've got Everyone a lot, a lot coming, um, including Tiger. And we'll, we'll hit that in a moment, Tiger and his upcoming playing schedule. Um, but Scotty Scheffler, Chad, congratulations. I don't know what you cashed out with, but you picked Scotty Scheffler. Stick with him, man. Well, I thought he was going to win, but I just thought to myself, I'm really going to kick myself if I don't um, if I don't cash out and take something because I was just playing the odds. I thought he was still going to win. Didn't know, obviously. But, you know, you can do that then play the long shots and try to double down on long shot odds. Because I won quite a bit by picking Scotty Scheffler, as I said on this show, before it all began. I stayed so into Cam Smith that I bet on Cam Smith Sunday afternoon in a everybody but Scott bet that I, I bet on him to catch Rory, which was another dumb bet. Well, Scott, Scotty Scheffler, since we're talking about him, 25, only the third guy, Jordan Speed, Tiger Woods, Scotty Scheffler since World War II. Uh, that's one, you know, the Masters won a major at this age, their first, their first major. Um, I mean, four wins in six tournaments now, I think, are the statistics of four and seven. Just unbelievable tear 
that we're witnessing right now from Scotty Scheffler. It, it really is incredible. It's everything you want in a golfer, you know, stay steady, hold on to the lead, all of that. And you heard the story he told about waking up and basically in tears while he was killing time, which a Sunday morning with the lead has to be rough when you're passing time and telling his wife, who was featured heavily on the broadcast at the end, I, I, I'm not ready for this. And she had a pretty good steadying line there. Well, who, who are you to decide that you're, you're not ready and cooked them kind of a second course of breakfast. I don't know if that's the best route to settle you, to settle you down. Well, he said he had an upset stomach throughout the week and, and normally does for big majors. Uh, it's the first time he said he had cried prior to holding a lead going into the final round with the magnitude of what the Masters means. And somehow, uh, once he got through the, the par on one, and it was a one-shot advantage when he chipped in at three, and, and he said uh, uh, post-round at the, the Green Jacket press conference, he said, look, that, go, that chip going in was a huge bonus, but just getting that up and down to where I had a chance at just putting it in, in the cup up and down was what really mattered there, and he thought he was chipping perfect, and he, and he was. And then he said what it, even more was just being able to par four and five after that big moment on three. And then he, from there, he said he was coasting until he got to the green on 18 where he allowed himself to kind of live in the moment, breathe it in, up five, walking up the fairway. And the people that needed to put pressure on him, he got one good score in the clubhouse from Rory who played unbelievable. Yeah, but but Cam, Smith, Cam Smith, you know, uh, what, tripled? Doubled, yeah, doubled, 12th. and fell, fell apart. So any real pressure that could have come at yeah. him disappeared at that point. Um, and but he, I mean, he played great. Played great. I thought he was good. Cam Smith was in his post round interview talking about it. You, that's when you can really sense the disappointment because I mean it's easy to think. Well, I mean he's twenty eight years old. How disappointed are you really? You know they, he was already behind the eight ball going into today. Did you really think he had a chance? And then, like you brought up, Hutton, two holes in, he's one stroke back. Yeah, he had a chance. And he's right there, and he has birdied the first two holes of the round. And you, I'm sure if you're Cam Smith, you're thinking, here I come, and this guy is wilting a little bit under the pressure, so I'm going to have a chance. Instead, it's Cam Smith that wilts under the pressure yeah. on the 12th hole, and that, that blew up his entire round. He went birdie, birdie, bogey, bogey. Well, and I've also there. never seen you know Scotty Scheffler in the end with the two missed chippy putts right there where he got a little bit ahead of himself, probably envisioning what it's like to sink the putt that wins the Masters, and then the standing ovation on the third one. Like, dude, you still got some to play well, he, with here, but let's go ahead and knock this one in. He addressed it. He said that he was able somehow, and this is what is incredible. He's 25, and he's able to stay laser-focused throughout the round. And he said it, there was a moment going to 17 where he like acknowledged the fans and quickly got back into zone mode. And... and Walking up the fairway, he said he had envisioned winning the tournament, like he always does, but the, the party envisioned wasn't making some big shot. It was walking up the fairway, much like Spieth did at 21, whenever he won the Masters, and what that was like and what that must feel like. And that's whenever he allowed himself to just let loose and just enjoy the moment. And he goes, you guys saw what happened when I did that. I lost my focus and uh, couldn't contain myself, even on some of the, the easier putts, but... He made it look easy. And look, that, that chip in on three defines the, the, the round for him where it doesn't get away. But we may go back in time a decade from now. Who knows, 20, 25 years, we're going to tie it into Tiger. That may be a defining shot of his career that sort of sets up this 
this run. He's already on a fantastic run over the last 57 days with four wins. But winning the first green jacket of at 25, who knows what it ends up being uh, as far as major championships. But the way that guy was able to stay calm, cool, and collected in some massive moments, I think sets him, sets him up well, and that chip on three will be replayed as a defining moment for his career moving forward, not just the tournament. I just kept thinking about Spieth the whole time. You know, that Spieth run of 2014, 2015, a little bit in 2016 and then fade. that he went on. But I, I've been asking for this. I've been asking for a young American golfer to step up and go on a similar run and, and maintain it a little bit more than what Jordan Spieth was able to do. He hasn't done that yet. And this is one major championship for him. But with the run he's on this year, Scotty Scheffler has set himself up where we're going to be on Tiger Watch 365, 24-7, no matter what. We know that. As a sporting public, that's going to be yeah. reality. But Scotty Scheffler has now put himself, for me at least, in a group that I'm going to be watching every single tournament to see what he does. He's that interesting to me right now because this run that he's on. And the fact that he's an American helps the American audience as you watch Scotty Scheffler and his dominance right now. I thought it was great, too, for a tournament that had no real question for the back nine that you got uh, Rory posting that score and finishing with that incredible sand shot and then Morikawa right after. finishing with that incredible sand shot. That, there, there, were some things of, there were some things of interest well, on the back four to nine. Play. He was on 16 when Rory did that. Yeah, there were some things of interest on the back nine even though he had the, the big the big lead and there wasn't much suspense about who was going to win it. I had a major... I, I had suspense then. When Rory hit that in, I will say it was 10, 10, 10 under, 7 under. At that moment in time, and he was three strokes back with five to play. He I think on, four he was or five. On, he was on the fifteen green, yeah. and before the shot, um, you know, they they someone I can't remember who it was uh, on commentary interrupted Jim Nance. They were setting up something because they were recording what was going on on eighteen, and they uh, it was it was Faldo, I believe, who said, "Jim, I'm sorry, I can't answer your setup here because something massive just happened here on eighteen. What we're about to show." And they they finished the the putt for Scheffler, then went to the replay instead of trying to pretend it was live and setting it up like the chip went in. I, That's how Mac. That I think they felt the same thing you did, Chad, when they watched McElroy pull that shot off to finish with the tied for the greatest final round we've seen in Masters history. I did not hear that because uh, I am an idiot. So I, I'm watching the the Masters. I, I I slept through some of the early part of the leaders. <laughs> so I was up very early. Yeah. I, I was up at six thirty. Simon had an eight o'clock game in his tournament. It's my life every day. Okay, we came we <laughs> came morning. home every day. Not my I, ideal Sunday. Um, suffered a loss. Came home. Uh, you know, scrambled to do some stuff and then settled in in front of it. And later in the afternoon, Chad, I, I was texting you guys about some tax stuff pertaining to work. And uh, after I did that, I almost texted you guys, where the hell is Nance? I wasn't hearing Nance. And I, start, I, I did a search on Twitter for trending topics, and I did a news search, and I was thinking that Nance was sick or in a reduced role because I was not hearing Nance. And it took me until about four holes to go to realize that my uh, loving wife, who turned on the Masters early, which tells you about her fandom, turned on ESPN Plus and featured groups early before the Masters was on. Wow. 
and I was watching featured groups. I don't know why they have featured groups on the back nine of the master when the featured groups are the leaders, but I was listening to the, the ESPN Plus commentators rather than Nance and Faldo and CBS. And so I only flipped it over with about four holes to go. It's and not, I was thinking something was wrong no, with Jim Nance. It's not the Masters without Jim Nance. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't catch on quicker because it's just such part of the soundtrack. That music they go to, whatever that golf score is, yeah, the, score the orchestral song they go to right when, when they win and it goes through the round where it kind of it feels like it's all timed up perfectly on the big shots from Scheffler's round when they're going through that on, on CBS is terrific. I was pissed in hindsight. That's a tradition I'm like, unlike I any other. I missed all of the That's, That is a tradition Aldo unlike any other. Much for like the all of that because we had the good sense in this house to put on the early golf. Uh, before it went to CBS. Coming up, I have some big numbers. Um, we'll do this in the final hour, to begin the final hour. Some big numbers on the Masters uh, behind the, the TV contract. What they're making, what they make on any given weekend uh, for the Masters championship, and what they could be making if they wanted to treat this like any other major. The details on that. Tiger Woods says he's going to play the Open, um, the, the British Open. Beyond that, is to be determined. And PGA's before that. Um, he, and he's going to try to to play, um, you know, at, at Southern Hills in May and then the U.S. Open in June. But he says he's playing the Open no matter what. Um, he and, looked like he was having a really hard time yesterday. We talked well, and about Saturday. The I mean, he's using he's using putter uh, as a, a cane. Yeah, he's using a cane, uh, whatever club he doesn't plan on using on that hole that to prop him up as he walks around the course. Um, I'm, I'm glad he was able to finish, and I'm glad that at the end of it, he's already talking about his next event, but he admitted he's never going to be back on any type, type of full-time schedule, and I've, you know the, the major tournaments are going to be the ones that he puts the emphasis on from here on out, uh, or the ones that his sponsorships are tied to. Uh, it, was, it was a rough go, and it, it's... It's rare that you have everybody pulling for him, uh, not just him, but any superstar in general, um, where, I mean, you have the commentators acting as though they're broadcasting for the home team and not neutral, which I didn't mind, but uh, from ESPN Plus to CBS Broadcast and ESPN for that matter, they're all looking at this like Tiger's doing great and he's getting through the round. I'm thinking, man, this guy is struggling. And it was... It was a rough go on Sunday, Chad. Yeah, it, but it, it, it was my expectation level all week. I knew he wasn't going to have a chance uh, to compete for it all, but that first round where he was great at 71. one under, you know, really set him, set him up to make the cut, which he did with ease, and then at least get through the weekend. That was a big thing to me. Can he make it through without withdrawing on Saturday and Sunday? And when it started going south on Saturday, and then he, he duplicates that 78 on Sunday, it was bad over the weekend, but at least he was able to make it through. He, he joked afterward, you know, I'm probably going to take a couple days before I get back active and uh, rehabbing and, and getting the leg stronger, but, you know, I made it through. He was encouraged. I thought he had a really good disposition afterwards saying, he, I think he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish this weekend. Make the cut. Show that you can still do the golf things he talked about. He still has his swing. He can do those things. That leg is only going to get stronger. It's never going to be close to 100%. I also watch him, and I think the, his legs aren't the same length anymore, which is part of the problem when you have a clean break like that. There's no way 
to make it even. He's off balance a little bit that way. But I am never betting against Tiger Woods ever again. He will win another major. You watch. If he's putting all of his emphasis just on the major tournaments and building up and getting strong enough to compete, I'm willing to put money on the fact he wins one more before he's done. Somewhere. I think it would maybe be a, I don't know, less likely to be I, a, a uh, I root for it. I won't be putting money on it. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I thought I, I'll wish I did after the fact, but I'm not well, betting I, on I it. I made the mistake, and I witnessed him do it at the Masters. I'm thinking, he's, well, he's, he's never going to win another major after everything that's happened, and he won that one. Uh, a, a he'll, lot, he'll get one more. A lot different now. I mean, it was great to see him out there, and I, I was stunned a little bit, Chad, by, by the word you mentioned, his disposition. Which, which tells you that it wasn't just about the last 14 months, his physical recovery, and obviously there's a mental recovery to go with that, but also mental calibration about what you can and cannot do. And that he was able to come to terms quickly after these rounds in his public conversation and be, you know, okay with it to the degree you can be okay with it tells me he came in understanding what those limitations meant and and could could handle it you know and that's a big adjustment for any athlete you know premier athlete at his sport understanding like hey maybe i'm going to compete again at this one day but it's not going to be these four days and i'm okay with that in my head to the point where i'm not going to be throwing a club or or crying uh, at the at the pain of what those facts are, and uh, well, I, I, mean, I really respected that. He nearly broke that. a club. He nearly broke a club over his leg. Yeah, but that he was composed when it w- when it was over and could present a a reasonable uh, summary of what he just endured. It's I was, the, it's I was the first impressed one. with that. I think a year from now, you know, at the Masters, if if he's we're talking about back to back seventy eights on Saturday and Sunday, he probably feels different about it if he's played in these other tournaments then. But I think for the first you get one what back, I'm saying. He, I was impressed yeah, it with was that. it was a success. I mean, I, I think it, even even Tiger can look back and think that was successful for my first tournament back, being the Masters also. Well, the next time we see him for sure will be at St. Andrews. Um, he admitted that, and he said, I'm, I'll try to play Southern Hills in May. We'll see what happens. But he's already said he, he's committing himself to St. Andrews and what that place has meant to him in his career. Uh, and for golfers everywhere, uh, he'll he'll be competing in the British Open. Coming up, who is uh, in competition for the NBA MVP? It's worth noting because the regular season's over and ballots are due today. If you're one of the voters in the media, ballots due today for the NBA MVP award. And it's not a clear-cut favorite this year. They, they've been back and forth with the odds makers in Vegas and you know, it should be a good thing for the NBA that they're having this much debate. We'll, we'll debate that coming up. Plus, we've got uh, further headlines from the weekend, numbers behind the Masters, and much more on Outkick 360. First, though, Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com is where you can see more information. Our OutKick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure 
greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. You can too. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, ensuring it's not wasted like a capsule or pill. Vitalifescience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I get it. For most out there, the NBA playoffs will start around conference finals times. Regular season's over, which means... The season really begins for the association. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. The play-in games will begin tomorrow. So you have seeds, uh, up, what, up to 11. Seeds 7 through 11 playing for the right to get in. And that will lead to playoffs starting on Saturday for the NBA. Ballots are due today for the M- MVP award. And... Guys, I know this is something you brought up on uh, Thursday of last week, the debate about who that could ultimately end up being. Seems like a a three-man race, um, and and the numbers are just tight as can be. I'm on uh, pro basketball reference, which gives a probability, um, and they like Jokic. Jokic? I don't even know. Jokic. Jokic. Joker. You just go with Joker, Joker for sure. They give him like a 43.5% probability over Giannis, who they put second, and Embiid, who they put third. 24.3% for Giannis and 12.4% for Embiid. And Embiid is the highest scorer there at 30.6 points a game, which is outrageous. But they're all around 30 points a game. They're all, uh, you know. Uh, Joker has almost 14 rebounds per game. The other two are close to 12. And, and uh, you know, Joker is higher in assists. The other two are higher in blocks. But statistically, all very similar. What's crazy to me is Joker was 16-1. to 1. He won it last year, coming back healthy, and was 16-1 to 1 to repeat as, uh, as MVP. That, that would have been a good bet if I'd have been paying attention to all the MVP odds, odds going into the season that there were, I think, five guys ahead of him going into the season, and now he is the favorite at what I'm looking at right now to win MVP for a second straight season. His team it, did slightly worse. They finished sixth, a couple games worse. The Sixers and the Bucks finished with the same record. Bucks in third, Sixers in fourth in the East. You know what's crazy to me just looking at the, the people at the top of the list on this? All of basketball has trended towards three-point shooting taking as many threes as possible. Analytics show you do that, you're going to have more success than not. And we talk so much about the three-point shooters across the league. Jokic is a good shooter, but the top three guys I'm looking at by odds, Joker, Embiid, Giannis. These are three big men that uh, you would not put three-point shooting at the top of the list, especially with Embiid and Giannis. Now, John Morant might have been right there if he didn't hurt his knee. I mean, he was, was having a hell of a season. Yeah. Well, I think Embiid ultimately wins the award if they don't add James Harden. Yeah. 
They've, they've been losing games since they've added James Harden, and, and since then what the odds shock. flipped. At the time, well, Harden's a former MVP of three years ago. Three or four years ago, he's the MVP of the league. When he's with Houston, yeah. Um, and they they add him, and it's it's been the opposite trend for Philly. Uh, the odds were in Embiid's favor prior to the trade. Now it's with with uh, Joker, and, and for good reason. I think, uh, you know, not following the league closely, just looking at numbers. I, I asked myself last night in, in doing some digging, when I evaluate the question, who's most valuable, you have to take into to account, for me, the value a player brings to his team and what they would be like without him. And without a doubt, it is the Nuggets and Jokic. I mean, when you see the, the answer here with the analytics – and just go through the, the traditional old-school stats. Points, rebounds, assists per game. Um, all he's top, he's top eight in the NBA in all three categories. And I, I think the, the gap is huge from that statistical standpoint and an analytical standpoint when you ask what would happen with Denver if he's not on the court. Um, they, they change a lot when he's not available on the court versus off the court, the plus-minus differential is the biggest in the NBA. There's your answer. He's the most valuable player, uh, and he averages 27, 14, and 8. Um, again, those are top eight in the league, and if you're comparing him to the others whenever he's on the court versus off, um, or when I say not, not even available, when he's just on the bench, the plus-minus point differential is a wide gap between him and the rest of the league. Well, we say that, but I mean, how many more, how, how many fewer games with the Lakers have uh, won 33 and 49 without LeBron? I say that kidding, of course, but he scored over 30 points per game this year. He was hurt for a lot of it, but I, I'm looking at that. That's the first time since 2008 that he scored over 30 points per game over the course of a season. That's more about a necessity because the team sucked for the majority of the season. But, yeah, I think it's Joker for a second straight season. I would lean that way. But I, I can see the case for the other two, and I wouldn't be uh, up in arms if, if one of the other two won. I like the fact that there's an MVP race in a major sport that isn't a done deal. Yeah, I think it's a good, before, I think it's a good thing for the NBA. Before the ballots are in. The, the bad thing for the NBA is these ballots have to be turned in before the majority of the country will actually start tuning in. Yeah, that's um, a problem. Here's the other problem, and we hit on this a little bit last week. LeBron James not in the playoffs is not good for the NBA, regardless of what you think about LeBron James and the Lakers. The fact that they were so terrible and can't even get into the play-in tournament, they finished 11th, it's 7-10, 8-9 in the play-in, and they're, they're a game back. They had to win their last two games to get a game back of the Spurs for that last spot. But, um, I mean, that's not good. Because LeBron James draws eyeballs, whether you're rooting for him or against him. So that, that's bad for the league. And every time we, we discuss this, though, there's always, well, it's an opportunity for people to get behind Embiid or to get behind Joker or to get behind Ja Morant or whoever the player may be. And I just don't know that there's this big hunger to pick up on a new star in the NBA with everyone. They, people know what they know. They like what they like. Or they hate what they hate. And they're going to watch what they like or they're going to watch what they hate. There's not a lot of room for, you know what I want to do is start watching all these playoff series and find my next superstar in the league. 
I don't think there's a lot of people on the fence like that about the NBA or really any sport. Any sport outside of football, NFL or college, I don't think there's a lot of fans feeling that way right now. Well, I'll say this as somebody that that plugged in just for the playoffs last year and, and way more for the finals. My appreciation for Giannis and Booker grew by leaps and bounds, and I was much more uh, prepared for uh, you know an open slate to for those guys to impress me than I would have been to to have another chapter of the LeBron story, which is so tiresome at this point in time. So I I found it somewhat refreshing last year when I you know, kind of had to watch because it was the story of the time to, to see those guys. Now, this year, would I like to see those guys again instead of having to, to learn some new guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see a repeat of last year's finals. Uh, I'd like to see a lot of the Suns because I find the Suns enjoyable to watch on the occasion that I've seen them, and I'm familiar with that, that team now. So I'm kind of meeting you halfway there, Chad. I, I like that last year, new guys, but I'd like to see the same new guys this year. I like, I like the play-in aspect of this, um, and it, it includes some teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be there, like Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the play-in matchup, battling a for a 7 seed. Disappointment for them. Um, Clippers are the same thing. Clippers and Timberwolves battling for the 7 seed. Um, Hornets and Hawks, Spurs and Pelicans are uh, also going for uh, the, the final seed in the tournament. And then you've got uh, – this law leads to Friday where you have the, the winners of each game playing for those final spots in the playoffs. Playoffs begin Saturday. So I, I, I like how they've manufactured this play-in tournament. They're not calling it the playoffs, which I appreciate. The official NBA playoffs start April 16th. That's smart. Saturday. Um, but the, the, the play-in matchups do bring in some intrigue here. And you can focus on some stars. They'll have some star power on TNT that they can focus on. Yeah, the Nets are interesting. The Hawks went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago yeah. before losing to Milwaukee. They're, they're ninth in the East in, in this play-in game. Um, does, do the Brooklyn Nets give you the New York market? Is that really a thing? Does New York get by? Because that's always a point of emphasis, right? Well, if you can get L.A. and New York, that helps with eyeballs, with ratings, with everything else. Well, they give is, you Durant. Is Brooklyn so. is Brooklyn really a big help? I can't tell you. I haven't. You know, I was. They were the Nets in in New Jersey when I was there. I don't think Knicks fans are are tuning in for the Nets, but I don't know how much Knicks fans are tuning in for the league. And if they're tuning in for the league, then then they would be watching. Yeah, everybody. but those are your die. You're more likely than not to tune in. I mean, you're, those are your diehard hoops fans from the professional. Gage, I yeah, would say. and look, the the New York market hasn't had a lot of playoff time. You know, last year was a reemergence, and this year is a big disappointment. Now, are they are they flipping over to the Yankees it's a, instead? It's intriguing, Chad, because they've got uh, they've got Durant and Kyrie. You know, Kyrie's able to play at home now. So, well, that's a big part of the reason that they're in this play-in situation right. because Kyrie Irving wasn't allowed to play home games this year. I mean, they're they're a team that can win it all. Sure. I mean, that's, they're going to go from play-in to being a favorite in, in the series moving forward as long as they get out of this situation. Is Simmons now willing to shoot? Well, he's got back issues. He's got a lot of other, other issues other than his back. <laughs> and he needs to get worked out. And it starts up top with, with him. So the, I just don't – I realize it's a regular season award, but the majority of the country is going to tune in. 
now. And the, the, you could have, you're not going to have a, a bad MVP winner here. But I don't, I don't think people realize how close the MVP race actually is. There is no landslide guaranteed lock with this. If Morant played a whole season, do we think he's right there as a four-man race? Or might he be a clear-cut winner? But the thing about Morant, he was, he was getting a ton of move. Like Memphis was making their move. They, uh, you know, they had the second-best record, and then they still do. They beat the Suns at home. But you go on and you look at the, the, the odds to win MVP, and he's still like sixth or seventh in the odds race. Um, and he's been banged up down the stretch. But I, I, don't, I don't think he was ever amongst the favorites to win the award. Surprise. And maybe that's – I think if you're in the small market, you buy into the small market size. Yeah. But the guy's a star. He's winning it The guy's career. a star. And, and he picked up a lot a of national momentum off of it. He's winning it in his career. I, I don't doubt that for a second. But it's good to have some fresh names up top. Yeah, I agree. Now, is it good that you're about to have back-to-back winners for the second consecutive time? So you had Giannis in 2019 and 2020, and now you'll have uh, Jokic going for back-to-back wins as well. It's interesting because that's kind of a trend uh, with this. If if Jokic wins back-to-back years, Giannis the two years before, Steph Curry in 15 and 16, yep. LeBron in 12 and 13, LeBron in 9 and 10, Steve Nash in 5 and 6, Tim Duncan in 2 and 3. No three two years year in a row, award. but a lot of – it's kind of a two-year award for if you go back to 2000, you had that happen a number of times. Now, the, and the, going past 2000, it was Jordan in 96, Malone in 97, Jordan in 98, Malone in 99. Alternate. Alternate for four straight years. Now, Michael Jordan didn't play in 99. Those, yeah. You know, that was the one year he, did, he didn't play, but it was Jordan, two out of the three, they played at the same time. He retires for the second time before coming back with the Wizards, then it was Carl Malone. This is the time of the year where I need Jacob Swanson's betting guidance. <laughs> he, he was doing pretty well in the playoffs last year. He didn't have a good close to the Masters, but uh, I told him just to alert us when he's on a two-day heater with baseball strikeout props to let us know what his third day is going to be. It's hard to do baseball strikeout props right now because uh, people have come into the season not stretched out. So you can't – I don't know what the starter oh, numbers who, are. Who's that one dude who just hit 100 on his fastball yesterday on average? Is that right? I mean, uh, <laughs> these guys are coming out of the gate, I mean, on fire. But a lot of guys are, are throwing four innings right now in their in their first starts and shooting for five innings in their second starts. This was my big thing. Like, why can't you stretch out even if you're not at spring training? Can't your backyard regimen stretch you out? I, I don't understand it. Do guys care anymore? No. I mean, or do they just – About that throwing was, long? I'm I mean, I, thinking I, that. I, when I hear all this stuff, I'm thinking we were joking about Hutton's Orioles, you know, needing that extra time. In spring training, obviously, with this 0-3 start, they need a little <laughs> bit more time. But I'm thinking – you are a highly paid professional. I don't care if there's a lockout. It is your job to be ready to go when you're, it's time to go. Yeah. I don't think so. They don't even you care. work out on your own? I don't at that think point? they even care about five innings, which you used to want to get to five innings, right? Get so you can win. get the win. But wins are so devalued now as something that's out of your control, right? And it's not a valued statistic. ERA is the valued statistic now. That I don't need, if you throw four and two thirds, I don't think you you care. Well, in another another sport, it's a manager's. We were just talking anyway. NBA. Steve Kerr is saying we need to uh, shrink the regular season. 
for load management. So we're not having to load manage. We didn't have to load manage until four years ago when Greg Popovich invented it. No one ever had to load manage before. What has happened to the human body? Well, Everything else has advanced. We're better with our diet. We're better with working out, with stretching, everything. But suddenly, the NBA athlete of four years ago decided, boy, going to have to sit out this back-to-back. Not going to be able to play this next game tomorrow night. I think he so should I can have, go. I think he should have disguised that as a PR thing. Now, I don't think, I guess the NBA wouldn't look favorably upon him saying, we need to shrink the regular season because there are too many games. But he could say that while he's thinking in the back of his mind, I really mean loan management. But he would curry favor with a lot of people if he said there are too many games because there are too many games. But you can say that about every sport. That is the number one. If we, if we ask someone, Except what football. is wrong with baseball? Their number one complaint would be there are too many games. We threw this poll question out a couple weeks ago. First response I got, what would you do to change baseball to make it a better product? Someone said, play 40 games. That's it. Oh, that's, 40 regular season that's, games. That's somebody that doesn't understand baseball. But this is, this is what, this is what people is that are against the sport would say. I, I, even, don't, I don't know a lot of people who are... the dailiness of baseball is what baseball but, is. But here's the thing about the NBA. It's going back to our NBA topic. That is not the number one complaint of the NBA is that there are too many games. The number one complaint is they don't care. And they don't look like they care. Now, you can come back and say, well, it's because they play too many well, they games. they care more if they're But I watch games. Major League Baseball, and I don't watch a lot of games where I feel like they don't care at all. And they're playing 162 of them. Because it's so the it's nature of the that. game. It's that we allow it. It's that everyone in the sport, it's, it's just like if I went and played a men's league game and had a handshake agreement with a guy, hey, I won't drive in or post you up. If you don't do the same to me, we'll just shoot threes the whole game. Okay, deal. A lot of fun. We allow for loafing. We allow for load management because it's an understood factor of the game. And there are a number of fans who get pissed off by it. And they're going to get even more pissed off when they hear Steve Kerr say this. No, I, I like your thing from a scientific perspective. I want to know that. Because guys have gotten better at, at so much stuff. Why aren't they better endurance-wise? Why can't they handle the load better? Because we all know guys from their prime, and let's start with Jordan who was never saying, I, I need a night off. Well, Steve Kerr and played with Jordan. he would have Jordan. mocked people who Did Steve Kerr need load off. management when no. he played? Did his teammates cry for load management? No. And they'd spend their off-seasons working on the deficiencies that might have made them feel like. I mean, we all know the story about Jordan working with rubber bands to strengthen his fingers, right? He yeah. sprained his fingers too much. And so what did he do? He spent an off-season sticking his hands in buckets of rice and working with rubber bands to try to – limit his finger sprains. Well, and Jordan may be a bad example because he could stay up all night drinking and playing right. poker and still be fine the next night or play golf all day drinking and then go score 40. So he's not human in a lot of ways. But, but everyone in Jordan's era and before all played the 82 games with limited issues. And, where's and they the, wanted where's, to play every night. And where's the DiMaggio attitude, which is you have to play every night as if somebody's there seeing you for the first time. You can't go to oh, that's to, you can't go to Tampa Bay and say I'm taking the night off and it doesn't matter because you got to think there there are 25 kids in the stand who are here to see me play. They came here strictly to see Joe DiMaggio play tonight, and they come in and they find out I'm out because I'm load managing. Yeah, that's dead, like you're saying, Chad. But it shouldn't be. I think more people care than what we want to believe, like who are playing. Yeah. But it's the ones, I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're the, right. the money, the money plays a huge factor in this. I mean, you, 
they don't have that mindset because they've got the guaranteed money no matter how they play. That's why I made that guaranteed money. Coming up, uh, we hit some other headlines from the weekend. Sad story in Florida with Dwayne Haskins, uh, who passed away over the weekend. We'll discuss that and how it was covered next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up, the Broncos may be Sam's choice. We'll explain that. Plus, the most expensive World Cup in history by a mile, maybe further. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, sad story this weekend with Dwayne Haskins uh, being killed, hit by a dump truck on the interstate while he was attempting to cross the highway in the early morning hours on Saturday. Don't know why. Um, I've seen reports of uh, his car potentially running out of gas. I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere as of early this morning whenever I was looking around for this, but... Um, uh, the only thing, you know, aside from, and what was he doing trying to cross the interstate is just a sad story of a young quarterback and, uh, a guy who had a lot of stuff in front of him and, uh, gone way too soon sucks. Uh, he was currently with Pittsburgh had been with Washington and of course was a star out of Ohio state. He was the quarterback that beat out Joe Burrow that, led to Joe Burrow transferring to LSU. He was uh, gonna, if you're looking for the era there. Yeah, and Joe Burrow, I know, said some really nice things about him. A lot of other, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, a lot of uh, athletes have said things. It, it's a truly tragic, sad story. He was going to turn 25 in May. I think May 8th was going to be his 25th birthday, so a super young guy. Um, the big controversy that comes out of this is Adam Schefter and his tweet where he brings up that he was struggling to make it in the NFL. Uh, upon the report of his death. And when Adam Schefter tweeted it, I don't know that he was the first. I'm assuming he He was. was. When you break news like that, when you put that in the report of a tragic death, you're going to take some heat over that. And I understand that. He ultimately deleted it and uh, rewrote it straight, as is uh, Schefter's method. Didn't acknowledge anything about having – done it the way he did it the first time um just kind of covered his tracks or didn't cover his tracks just uh, i mean plenty of people had screenshot it's no secret what he said in the first one put out a a better one in the second i I talked to adam for a story i did maybe four or five years ago now already about why why reporters don't say my bad or uh you know apologize or, or correct themselves and he, one of the things I remember him saying was just kind of that in, in doing something like he did there, it kind of does it for you. I don't believe that to, to be the case. Um, I would say this, and obviously tragic story. I mean, you know, all of our condolences um, to that, to all these people who knew him well and speak so highly of him as a guy. And we didn't, I didn't know anything about him as a guy. You know, I know about him as a, as the quarterback he was coming into the league. Um, These players who are upset with the way Schefter handled it, 
and saying, you know, look, we're pieces of meat and com just commodities to this guy. You know, you can have a recourse if, if you want. W when your contract numbers come around, tell your agent not to give them to Adam Schefter. There's an easy way to, to have a bearing. I doubt you'll do that because you just go along with business uh, as business is done. Um, so Gil Brandt also uh, had... Well, Gil know, Brandt's a, was far a, a worse. Far worse, uh, you know, the way he talked about um, Haskins' deficiencies in his eyes when he was drafted, um, that he didn't take people's advice to stay in school, which would have been sacrificing giant giant money that obviously helped him and his, his family. Um, I don't want to necessarily repeat everything that he said. Well, I'll, I'll repeat he, it. He said he was living to be dead. I mean, let, what, let's repeat what Gil Brandt said. He said he was living to be dead. Yeah, and he said that he was uh, – Why can't we say that? He said, why, why wouldn't you say that? Uh, or he said, why, why would you be jogging on the interstate if you weren't? And he was a guy that, you know, he goes through all the stuff in the draft process that – he didn't like. Gil, there was no evidence. Gil he was Brandt sounded like an old man who doesn't need to be doing a lot of interviews. Right. And he should. That's what exactly. it sounded like to me. Be. And he had a he had a I think a heartfelt, sincere apology about it. But I hear those quotes and I think I'm not trying try, sitting here trying to retire people, but he should probably retire from doing media. Yeah. When I hear that, I, I think that's the, the consensus. We'll see if SiriusXM agrees. Uh, just a tragic story, and uh, we'll continue to to recap that and more coming up in our 360 headlines. 360 headlines also include the Broncos being Sam's choice and the money that they could get in a sale. Next to now kick 360.